Thumbs up, let's do this. Starting from zero. What does it actually take to start from zero and what does it not? What's a waste of time? What works? What doesn't? So many people are lost and confused and even disoriented about what it takes to get started online. And the truth is, it's very simple. Also, success rests in the dirty details. There's so many tiny things people get hung up on when they're starting something online. These tiny details are addressed in this podcast where you watch me mentor people over their shoulder directly based on their personal situation. So listen closely, listen to the whole episode, take in all the patterns, listen for the slow parts, listen for the fast parts, take in everything so you actually see what's required because there's things right now that you're currently missing, things that rest within the little parts of these episodes. Enjoy. So I got Walt with me. Walt, where are you at in the world? Hey, what's going on, Dane? So I'm in Pennsylvania, Philadelphia area. All right. Do you happen to know the company AWeber? AWeber is a pretty popular company. They've got trucks all over the place. With uh, they give out cars for Christmas, like toy cars. So yeah, I've seen them. <laughs> if, if that's the one you're talking about, absolutely. Yeah, Tom's a friend. Awesome. Yeah, you know, we were in a mastermind together. And I was so curious about how email marketing works. Like, how do you get emails delivered? Like, how do you get all this stuff set up? And I asked so many questions. He's like, why are you asking me? Are you trying to launch an email marketing company? <laughs> and I was like, no, man, I'm just really curious about how it works. Oh, I'm with you now. I know the company. There's another company that's more office supplies, but you're talking about the email marketing and mailing list. Yeah, they're not too far from us. I know who you're talking about. That's really cool. Gotcha. Yeah, he's a great guy. He's got slides in his office. People can go down. And he's got a movie room where like eight people can play Smash Brothers over lunch. Nice. You know, but AWeber is one of the perfect models for how to successfully launch a software product in some instances because he built a lot of the initial version himself, which is not generally what I recommend. But it still works. And if it works, but you know, what he did is he saw a principle that works really well in the offline world, people sending letters every week and this and that. And so he put it into email for multi-level marketers. So you had a very specific customer, you know, MLM guys that wanted to do auto email follow-up. And so he built his first version, did it in his house, built his company up till it had maybe like 20 employees, I think, give or take, working from his home. Then as he kept scaling revenue and growing, he ended up getting his first location and ended up buying a $18 million building or something. I don't know what it was, but it was in the millions. And that's how I think the best paths tend to go that way. It's a let's see what happens. Right. As opposed to I know what's going to happen. And exactly. Yeah. So if you go with, let's see what happens, then you've got like maybe five software. Cause right now you've got written down for your big goal is, well, I'll ask you, what is your big goal for this call? So I feel like I've been successful in almost every area of my life, but the one aspect that I've not focused on or really prioritized is what I want the most, which is that monthly recurring revenue best served through SaaS style business models. 
I have a background in tech, but I'm also wise enough to know that I don't want to leverage those skills directly to build that out. I want to be able to build a team. I run a team now for my full time. So I'm good at running teams. I'm good at tech, really good at it, super humble, but I've not been able to launch successfully any kind of a, say, scalable SaaS style offering. And that's where I wanted to just jump in and need a little bit of motivation because there's so much in life that can distract you from those things. Yes. And you're comfortable. Yeah. Super comfortable and super blessed too. I mean, I'm really joyful and happy person, but I know that there's more out there. I know that there's a brighter, more freeing future for me and my family versus kind of the grind, I'll call it, which I'm sure most of the foundation and a lot of your listeners understand. I mean, I'm not trapped, but I'm sort of trapped. You know, I have a family of four kids, successful career. But if I stop going in to work tomorrow, then, you know, our future as a family is just going to be taking a pretty different trajectory. So I want to be in the driver's seat. I want to build something that's significant, that's scalable and solves problems. And, you know, that's kind of why I jumped on the opportunity to talk to you because I know that's what you preach. And I've always enjoyed your emails and the different programs that you put on. Wonderful. Yeah, it's nice to have you here. So right now you have written down the hit 18 month goal of 20,000 MRR. Yep. So MRR is monthly recurring revenue for those folks that haven't been too in this space yet. So is that 20,000 in profit or revenue? I'm happy with top line. <laughs> okay, yeah. And so let's just test how strong the desire for SaaS is. So I'm going to give you three different business models that would do that. And you tell me which ones you like and don't like. Sure. So the first is you've got a business where you've got 20 different companies. They're all paying you $1,000 a month for pay-per-click marketing. And you have that pay-per-click marketing outsourced to a white label and you charge a thousand, the white label company charges you $300 to fulfill the digital marketing service. And you don't even have to build software, but you've got 20 grand a month. Scale of one to 10, how much do you like that? That's a $700 profit times a thousand clients. Times 20 clients. I'm sorry, that's awesome. I don't have control of the overall product, but to yield a $14,000 MRR on something that I'm controlling the account and the relationship and the customer, I'd give that a probably a five, a 10. Yeah. And what would make it a 10? Well, the aspect of white label is attractive to some extent because you don't have any operational costs. You're not developing your own IP. You're pretty much just letting somebody else's technology control your destiny. As long as that technology is functional, your revenue is going to be coming in and hopefully growing. And as long as I would be doing my job of maintaining relationships, keeping the lights on in the whole workflow, then things are good. But I would need more control really to get that from a five to even a seven. Okay, cool. So in short, five out of 10, because you want more control over the product. There you go. Yeah. Okay. So what if you had control over the white label? Like you found one that was just perfect. I would say still I'd be concerned about scalability. Okay. So you have also have a desire to scale past 20? Absolutely. Okay. 
So what if you could scale that to 100,000 a month? I think now you're at a point where it's exciting. You're generating more revenue. And if it's scaling better, then awesome. Okay, because see that business, you could start tomorrow and you don't have to build any tech. Gotcha. I've got a friend who does right around 20000 a month. He spends $1,500 on Facebook ads. Those Facebook ads go to a value video. They watch that video. They opt in. They watch a 15-minute value video, which just delivers value. And then they can book a call. So he spends 1500 bucks a month and he adds $5,000 every month. He does that to his revenue. And he has invisibleppc.com fulfill all the pay-per-click. That's awesome. So what is the value prop there in that business model? Get more customers. Selling to businesses who want more customers. Gotcha. It's one of the more attractive things because you know all you need to do is sell. And it turns out, like I've kind of reflected on and identified of like, if there's only two skills that you would need to be a successful entrepreneur, if you could like whittle them down to two, I'd call it sales and outsourcing. And most of the people that come to me are technicians. They don't know how to sell and they don't know how to outsource. They're technicians of something, web developer, software developer, expert at XYZ, therapist, chemical engineer, semi-pro or pro video game player. Like they're all technically gifted, no sales and outsourcing skills. Gotcha. So now let's talk about, you have a SaaS business. You have to build, realistically, if you do everything right, you find your idea in under a month, you find and build your product in four months, you've got your first customers onboarded at month four or five, and this is if you're doing everything right, which you probably do because you've got some experience in the field. So then you've got four or five months, you're rolling out your software to your first paying users at about month five from your start point. If you'd like to get a free one-on-one with me and be on this show, you can find out details at startfromzero.com forward slash podcast. From month five to month nine for the next four months, you're rolling out like one user every other day or week and slowly tweaking the user experience you join a Zoom call with them, you share screens, you watch them sign up for the product so you see the sticky points. You slowly tweak the product after each person signs up until you can watch someone sign up without asking any questions to you on Zoom. Now you've rolled your software product out safely. Yep. This is, by the way, this is how you roll out a great software product. And then you have a machine, this asset that you can just put someone to. And as long as you have a solid developer, a solid customer support and a solid marketing system that it just kind of works. Yeah. But then to get to a hundred grand a month, I mean, my best products took me eight weeks to develop, not 12. I had my first paying customer after eight weeks of development because I knew how to strip down the MVP. I knew how to strip down the features to just get what he needed. But then after that, it was seven more months of slowly onboarding one user at a time, hearing how the product was still inadequate having to add a feature. But then at month eight or nine, we launched. And 10 years later, that makes $2 million a year in revenue. Right. That was my seventh software product. And you know that's why the foundation's been so attractive for people because they can get all the things that I learned in starting and failing seven software products and et cetera, et cetera. Sure. But if you're wanting to go the software route, you need to have a very solid seed of an idea. So let's just talk software for like 10 minutes, if you could. Yeah, sure. So in a lot of these interviews, I teach people a very fundamental business principle. And it seems to be very useful. So you have 
The customer uses a mechanism to get a result. That's what you whittled business down to a nutshell. So a woman wants to lose 20 pounds. She uses Weight Watchers. She uses curves. She uses yoga. She uses the YMCA. The mechanism could be 15 to 100 mechanisms. The woman cares about losing 20 pounds. Yep. As entrepreneurs, what we do is we focus and obsess about the mechanism, not the customer and not the result they want. So the big shift is to start looking at customers first and what they want and then leave mechanism until the last step. It's a whole different ballgame. And I think it's one you'd be very good at because you just sit with people. You know, Do you have a niche market that you like? Yeah. So one of the things we've started is the contracting market. So, you know, the plumbers, electricians, roofers, there's probably about three dozen categories. I guess you call it blue collar. Okay, cool. Blue collar contracting. So now you have a niche market. So now in terms of figuring out the results they want, you can ask them, hey, what do you want more of as a plumber? And what do you want less of as a plumber? And you could go pretty deep with those two things. And, you know, the first answer is going to be like, oh, you know, no (laughs) asshole clients. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Yes, that makes so much sense. No asshole clients. Perfect. So what makes a client a pain in the butt? You know, they're like, oh, they don't pay your bills for like 90 days. Well, how fast do you want someone to pay your bill? Well, I want someone to pay my bill within a week. Okay, great. So you want clients that will pay your invoices within one week of you sending them. Yes. There's a lot you could do with just that. Sure. Now, all of a sudden, you go out to every blue collar contractor and you're like, hey, would you like to have your clients all pay you within one week of you sending an invoice? If the standard is like 60 days, then they're going to hear one week and say, holy crap. How do you do that? Well, there's probably a lot of ways you could do it. You know, like the software engineer is going to be like, well, great. We can send text reminders and email reminders and we could, oh, all this is, no, that's not, no, (laughs) no. Yes, you and every Tom, Dick and Harry is probably going to think of that as a software developer. Oh yeah, this is easy. We could send all these reminders. Is a reminder really the reason they're not paying? We don't know. Maybe the reason they don't pay is because there's not enough penalty if they don't. Right. Maybe the cost goes up 5% every week you don't pay. So maybe you teach these blue collar workers. It's like, listen, I have this project's great. So here's my price. My price is 25,000 for the job. But by the way, I'll quote you $20,000 if you pay me within a week of the invoice. But now the plumber was always only over wanting 20 in the first place. Exactly. So 25,000 is premium. And with that one distinction, they're probably going to get paid in a week. So like, we don't really make money off this right? Like maybe we do. Maybe you have a $10, $20 book that really walks them through the mechanics of pulling this off, but it's a pretty straightforward idea. So you go out to the blue collar world and you just share this. It's like a one or two page PDF. And you literally just share this with people free and they do it and they start getting paid on time. Do you think they love you? Sure. All right. You got a lot of trust and that's your first door. And now if you're looking at an 18 month runway to a $20,000 per month business and you lead off with that foot, you're going to slaughter all of your competitors, you'll slaughter them because none of them are giving them a result like that for free. So, I mean, I'm getting so jazzed about this over here, <laughs> but this is how business becomes easy. This is how business becomes just one of the most exciting things you could do. Absolutely. Yeah. Because you're obsessed about, hmm, well, I don't know what it is. It's well, you know, you're being of service, right? But you're asking them what they want more of, but no, you know what it is. It's a real quest for truth, right? Like So in our obsession about mechanism, customer mechanism result, that's just one mechanism, right? That might help them get paid on time. And that's a free tip. Right. Now, let's say you look at invoicing. 
But you see that, you know, the invoicing software needs to connect with their inventory and there's 15 different inventory products. And before you know it, you're like, I don't want to build that software. But if you're obsessed with mechanism, then you think your success relies on your product. You think your success relies on the widget. And then this creates a, sh- a ton, excuse a ton <laughs> of insecurity. And it still happens to me because like, oh, this doesn't work. I'm a failure. It's steep there in the unconscious until you notice it. You're like, wait a second. No way. That's not right. The customer wants a result. There's a hundred ways we could do it. This is just one of those. This is how we do this. So if you're a software developer and you say, you know, we could do text reminders and email reminders. So there's a couple of things that I do that I think have made me remarkably successful. One of those is anytime I hear information I've heard before, I try to listen to it as if it's the first time I heard it. So someone's reading Think and Grow Rich, right? I've studied that book. Well, I've studied Law of Success and they talk to me about that book and I can say, oh yeah, I know that. But instead I'm like, tell me everything. And I listen to it like the first time I heard it. The second thing that I like to do is I like to exit my belief system and exit what I know and exit my own world and try and experiment and prove myself wrong. Like I will actually go out and be like, I wonder if I can break this idea that I have. (laughs) And most folks won't do that. So like, I'm like, okay, I know I'm told everywhere not to do this thing. Let me try it and see what happens. You know, and that could be as simple as selling on results is a very tried and true way to sell something. You're going to lose 20 pounds in a week, sell by results. I'm like, can I sell by values? Can I sell by process to the right people who like process? And so, you know, I'll try and do these things just to experiment, whereas most won't. So with a software developer, you know, they're like, oh, you have trouble with your bills. Well, let's sit a software together that automates it and, you know, gets you the reminders because that's what a software developer knows. But they're not committed to best outcome. They're unconsciously committed to using their skills to solve a problem. Right. Great point. And I see that too in my space. I see the insecurity in tech. So I see the example that you're showing there. I'm also kind of thinking inwardly over the past 12 months, we have built a payment solution for blue collar contractors also a lead gen solution for blue collar contractors. And I'm just thinking about why it really hasn't been much of a success. There's been some good results there, but I like what you said about providing that value in offering a, here's a new process. This is a one page PDF that's gonna help you today get paid on time and continue to provide the same value and at the same cost never really thought of it from that perspective. And I think it's a great idea. So I've got a book coming out next year, March 31st, 2020. And that book's called Start From Zero. And in that book, it will contain a comprehensive methodology to start businesses when you have absolutely nothing. And in that book, there's 15 different examples, like very thorough examples. So like you just can't mistake (laughs) how it works. And in that book, there's, and I haven't talked much about the details of the book. I usually just mention there's a book coming, but there are four different brains that you can build to really ensure your success as an entrepreneur. I called them four personalities at first because I feel like they're kind of four different individuals, but I've really landed on four different brains that you can build to become like a superhuman creator. And if you, most entrepreneurs that I meet actually only have two, maybe three of these. Every once in a while, you'll meet an entrepreneur that has all four of them, and they 
like just walk with wealth, whereas other people just kind of reach for it. For years, people have asked me about a book, something simple that they could read that was completely comprehensive, that would help them learn how to start a business when they have no ideas, no money, no experience, no real expertise, when they're insecure, when they don't have confidence. How do you start from zero? How do you start a business when you don't even believe that you could actually help someone in the first place? It's all documented. There's now a path. It's a book. It's called Start From Zero, and you can pre-order it right now. Go to startfromzero.com and click on pre-order so you're first in line to read this remarkable book. There are over 15 different examples of employees, many who became millionaires in four years' time. It's absolutely possible, and you can do it when you get the right training. Go get that book right now at startfromzero.com and click on pre-order. Let's get back to the episode. You know, that relaxed person that's like, yep, yeah, everything works. <laughs> and, you know, there's some days that can be filled with frustration, but for the most part, they're just like chilling out. Hundreds of thousands of dollars come into them all the time, and they're just walking with it. And so these four brains are metaphors for gardening. So you've got the surveyor. So you survey the land for where you want to put your garden. And this is like your niche market. And this is things like what's the customer? What's the pain? What's the solution? And what's the offer? CPSO, customer pain solution offer. You say, what's my customer? What's my pain? What's my solution? What's my offer? And this is succinct, right? So it's like my customer is small entrepreneurs. The pain is manual invoicing. The solution is automated invoicing. My offer is $50 a month in like 15 seconds. You're now in like the top 5% of entrepreneurs in terms of articulation. Customer pain solution offer, CPSO. And that's the surveyor looking around for the land. Then you have the tiller. They prepare the land. They ground it up, make it fertile. And they also find the seeds. The tiller will just ground up this land and they'll know how to treat the land to really make it its best. Other people just walk over the land and they have no idea how to treat it so they don't get to find any of the good stuff. But by knowing how to till the land and you do this by asking, well, there's a bunch of ways, but you're essentially looking for deep pain. And if the deeper the pain, the better, like someone that can't hear, they need a hearing aid. You know, that's painful. Like if I'm talking to you, you can't hear me. You're like, ah, oh, sucks. Right. That level of pain. And that's primal type pain. That's like the highest level, right? But there's other pain, like, you know, software companies having to deal with duplicate data entry. So they got five employees that they're paying by the hour, which is thousands of dollars a month just to do duplicate data entry. That's very painful. So you're looking for pain. And then within that, there's five questions that you ask. There's, you know, what's your most present problem with blank? Or you say, what's your most consistent and present problem with blank? And then you walk them through the rest of these five questions into like, well, how do you solve it right now? What happens if you don't solve it? Well, what would your dream solution be to this problem? And then would you pay for that? If so, how much? And these five questions, they're not like top secret. You can find them at startfromzero.com. Sure. Yeah. But then you have the planter and then you have the gardener. So you've got surveyor, surveying land, tiller, tilling the land, planter, planting the seeds and planting the products, and the gardener that grows the product revenue. Now, if you build all four of these as individuals and combine them into one, you start to see the world differently. Creation becomes more automatic. You start to consider things you wouldn't consider before. And so I wrote this book to you know my 21-year-old self, because like, if I had this book at 21, my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> And to know my worth was not on the line either with business. Then I could have just had fun and served. So you mentioned with motivation. 
So as a species, we're generally motivated to avoid threats, seek safety, find convenient rewards. You know, we seem to be very averse to threats, very primed towards rewards and very cautious of what's fair and what's safe and this is a good deal. And it's like, it's hardwired in. And that information comes from a great book called Flip the Script by Oren Klaff, K-L-A-F-F. I highly recommend the book. I read that book out loud to my parents. I had such a good time reading it. And I'm 36. Right? Nice. So, Story time. Yeah, it was a great time. My parents are like, wow, you're so animated about this. I'm like, yeah, to listen to these stories. <laughs> stories are great in this book. So in terms of the threats towards fairness, so I want you to consider building a new motivation muscle. And the motivation will no longer be about protection or self-preservation. It will be about joy. So the reason for you to do something is because it brings you joy. And now that's foreign for a lot of people because you're doing something because it feels really good. You're doing something because the very act of it nourishes you. And you're doing something for the reason of joy. You're not doing something for the reason to survive. So this takes time. And I even recommend like finding a coach that you maybe meet with for like 12 weeks to say, I want to build my capacity to work from and receive joy. And as you do that, the motivations that got you to where you were are you know, usually self-preservation and survival and getting all the I's dotted and T's crossed and things like that. But now even especially for your kids, like with our society being around you know, 2020, we're not in medieval times anymore. We don't need to necessarily look for threats, but it's stuff stuff can run, run pretty deep. You know, like they will breed rats and mice to not like eat a certain thing in a cage. And by the third or fourth generation of mouse, the mouse won't even go by that thing anymore. And they've never seen it before. It's like encoded in their DNA not to go there. Right. That's fascinating. So you're doing it for joy. And boy, if you live from joy, when a client doesn't pay for your product, you'll probably be very curious. Oh, I'm so curious. What had you not see the value in this? Can you tell me more about your experience? Tell me more about what you were thinking and had you not purchased? When you come from joy, there's like this appreciation of all human life. And when you're not in joy, if people don't buy your product, you're like, you stupid son of a, why aren't you buying my, because you're, well, listen, you're not in joy and that person buying your product is going to be a temporary fix in the first place. So you might as well shift to joy. So you live from joy, you'll attract a lot of really, really nice experiences to you because the world will just give you what you're feeling. That's cool, Dean. I like that. And I think I embrace that today. But what I relate with is, especially with a family, this adverse to threats, seeking safety, find rewards. I relate to that very strongly because as a father and as a provider to your family, you want to protect them and keep bread on the table, as they say. So the challenge is to, like you said, different motivation muscle. Because joy may be there and it, it may even be really strong, but you're still being out muscled by let me do what I do every day just to keep things going. So I like how you said that. Oh, thank you for sharing that. So this gives me a better picture. So this is why it's even more important as a starting entrepreneur to focus on sales and outsourcing. That way you can start a business an hour every morning. Like if you work for an hour every morning and you just focus on sales and outsourcing, then you have people working for you during the day. Like when you know what to focus on and the only thing that really matters is sales in the beginning and you just spend your hour doing that and then you outsource the rest, that's how you can do that when you're busy. 
You know, I'm experimenting right now. You know how we have the idea extraction process? Sure. So you go out into a niche market and you call people and you talk to them and find your problems. I'm currently in the shifting place of like, you know, okay, people want something for nothing. This is not a bad thing. Like I've got a guy who wrote me and he said, hey man, do you have any clients for me? I'm an iPhone app developer. And I was like, oh great. You just want me to give you customers? <laughs> Are you kidding me? But like, if I was listening and I was like, oh, I wonder how many iPhone app developers need more customers. Well, I could probably put up a landing page talking about how to build a successful app for people considering it. And then on the back end, refer people to developers, you know, and then take a cut. Sure. Lead gen. Yeah, lead gen. But that's because that's what they're wanting. So yeah, in terms of starting your business, it's very possible to start a business in an hour and a day if you're using sales and outsourcing. And that's why it's also important when you're starting a business with a family that you're not the one fulfilling the mechanism. Sure. I even have an advantage in that my business partner is old enough to be my father and in sales full time and dedicated to selling. So there's no excuse from that perspective. It really just leaves off sales and then it's focused on outsourcing. Well, you know, that even makes the framework more simple. The number one skill of an entrepreneur could just pick outsourcing. Sure. But you need sales to, to sell a salesman too, to come in. So it does work, but it's like, if you wanted to get away with it, yeah, you could like, a lot of entrepreneurs don't even sell their own products. They have sales teams. So outsourcing. So you start thinking about, oh man, it's just whittled down to outsourcing. Well, I don't trust people or, oh, I had this issue. Well, then you're screwed. You better figure out real quick how to do that. Yeah. Okay. So motivation is now to feel joy and to build joy. The other thing is that how to do it an hour and a day with a family of four is to really focus on not fulfilling mechanism and outsourcing. And you're even be able to outsource sales as well. Now I want to go to your invoicing product. And my guess with that product not working, as with most software products, is it's too great of a behavior change for someone to use. But that's just a wild guess based on when other people don't adopt software products. What do you tell me? Yeah, the biggest challenge was blue collar client ability and white collar to embrace an ACH style payment where they had to keep monies in reserve versus more of a credit card style process where there's never any monies in reserve. You just, their clients just swipe, they pay commission and they're done. So we were challenged a little on that one in terms of adoption. People didn't want to have a reserve account in our system. They're like, why are you holding our money? It's like, well, that's what our partner requires. So that was one challenge. Why were you holding the money? What do you mean? Why not just have it deposited in their account? So the white label merchant services provider, in order to transact ACH to help contractors get paid near instantly or within a day without paying a ton of credit card commission, they were like, that's great, but we need to have a little bit of a buffer in your account at all times to hedge against, you know, fraud and ACH is much different than credit cards. So the business premise was built off of an ACH style transaction. And people are kind of adverse to that right now. They want their money quick and they don't want to pay a big commission, but they don't want to give anything in return. Something for nothing. It's everywhere. <laughs> now, it's, it's not a bad thing. Like, we want to relate to something for nothing with joy. Sure. So, you know, if you can figure out something for nothing, then you can get very rich. So, like, with idea extraction, I was saying earlier, I've hired someone to do cold call idea extraction for me. 
<laughs> as an experiment. And I'm collecting how to hire the person, the scripts to use, how to receive the answers, how to document the answers. And at the end of a few weeks, I'm going to get a report with all the best ideas I could build. Sweet. And is there a human being involved there? Can we have a completely artificial intelligence? No, you hire someone. Yeah. <laughs> you need a person. Yep. You definitely want a human being, but you could take it to that next level. So it truly is fully automated, but there's like Uber for cold calling. It's very easy to hire someone. It takes less than a day to get someone to do calls for you. It takes less than one day. So, you know, as people listening, they're like, well, I would love that. I could pay someone to find my ideas for me and give me a report on which idea to build. Of course you would. I would, because it's something for nothing. Well, you got to pay a cold caller, but sure. when you've got an income and a busy family, that's how outsourcing can work. Absolutely. So what do you think would happen if you dropped the idea you had and just kind of kept it in pause and just started talking to these blue collar people about what they want more of and what they want less of? Well, it's an easy next step. Because there's a good batch of, say, over 100 clients to pull from my business partner's business, which is a wide open. He wants me to take that over someday. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. But I love the base. It's a base to farm and people who are willing to come in or just have that cold call or a personal call to do some idea extraction. It's a great next step. I think the what you want more of and what do you want less of would be a really easy way to go. Just go as deep as you can. They'll probably feel really good at the end of that call. Almost like a therapy session. Yeah, really, <laughs> truly. Because a lot of times, you know, the way I've taught this in the past, for whatever reason, people get on a call and they're like, I must extract an idea. I must get something for myself on this call. I was like, no, you show up to help that person. And if idea emerges, great. If not, it will eventually. Right. You know, your confidence can really change if you talk to like 12 people in an industry for like a half an hour. If you spoke with like 12 people in an industry for 30 minutes, what do you want more of and less of? You will become like a trusted advisor to most of those folks, or you'll go towards that realm. And this is like my 15th episode or something recorded. And it's transformed my confidence to do this because I thought I was having to come up with more special tricks and dazzle. Sure. But I, I get on these calls and every person just generally needs something that's very basic and very simple that provides a very profound breakthrough. But as I'm like thinking about this, you know, and I talk to people on this podcast and I say, what would make this irresistible for you to buy? And the person's like, well, you know, if I could just quit my job. I'm like, is that it? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, wait, are you sure? They're like 100% absolutely. I just want to quit my job. And I was like, oh my God. I have never used that language directly. So the email we sent out last night had it in it. Quit your job. It's easy once you're trained. You know, you focus on customer mechanism result, right? If you want to write out next to that or close to it or somewhere so you can see both of them, switch it to customer. So customer, the first fundamental business explanation that's very transformative is what we talked about. Customer uses a mechanism to get a result. Switch that around to customer wants a result, so we use a mechanism. And with that, you'll now accelerate yourself past all the fearful chickens and hens and animals that are running businesses. Yep. Because they're like, oh, it's the tech, the tech, the tech, the tech, the tech's going to die. The tech's going to die. Oh, it's our tech, our tech, our tech, our tech. And you're like, hold on. Our commitment is not to our tech. Our commitment is to delivering a result. Absolutely. An experience. An outcome. An outcome. Yes. 
So yeah, that behavior change, you know, like I can imagine that'd be frustrating. They're like, come on. So how much does it pay? How much slower did it pay them out? Like they pay a credit card, they get it like the next two days. And how long did it take with this one? It would basically take as long as the client to go back and forth and negotiate with the backing bank. Sometimes it would be a week plus because they wouldn't release the funds until their account had a certain minimum. So it was not very scalable, taking sometimes five to 10 days. Yeah, man, I just use credit card and tell them to add the 3% to their client's bill. Right. I think, you know, in some instances, I like to go onto a lot of process and ensure things, but my hunch is you can carry yourself that distance. What I wanted to give you was a start point and an end point that made sense. The middle is where I think you'll be fine. Does that sound right? Yeah, I appreciate it. I think it's motivating to know that, well, first of all, speaking clearly, succinctly, and accurately is sometimes we just don't spend the time to do as funny as that sounds because it takes a little bit more processing up front and it's almost unacceptable in society like depending on where you're working and you know your family and your surroundings i'm in a pace right now that is surrounded by you ever listen to a podcast on like 2x or thing everybody is just speaking and moving so incredibly quickly that you're like caught in the tornado. So you would rather talk really fast and have it mean nothing or very little versus slow it down and actually hit a home run with, you know, a quarter of the language. So I love that. I took some notes on that because could certainly use some help there. I really had a lot of pleasure hearing you share all that. Yeah. The two X and, and you know, the, the, uh, if I told one other person, like, listen, if you can speak this to your kid, it's probably good. <laughs> you know, I just had my daughter four weeks ago. I didn't realize that, Dean. Congrats. Yeah, thank you. Ch- changes uh, everything. Yeah, it sure does. And, you know, I'm pretty, like, on the extreme side of, like, intuition and all these things. And I'll look at her and I'll actually, like, pretend that I can hear her speaking to me. But it's like her older, wiser self kind of thing. Sure. And... The stuff that she says is usually less than six words. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like, well, what do you think about this, Everly? And, you know, I'll literally hear inside my body, just chill out, dad. Yeah. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> okay. That actually makes way more sense than any of the things I was thinking. <laughs> oh, I think it's pretty normal, to be honest, but it might seem weird to other people. No, I love it. It's either that or I got to poop. yeah kids kids change it they really do change the perspective and the irony of it all is as you kind of draw a parallel between business and family and life your children just want your presence they don't necessarily want you know dad to come home with some profound content they just want you there so what you said about just connecting with 12 accounts for 30 minutes, you'll be a trusted advisor. That's already a kind of the mojo that I carry when I talk to clients, but I haven't done that in a proactive way to say, hey, let's talk about some of your struggles. Where you're unattached to the idea. Sure. Because it's like, oh, it's got to be this because it's the only thing I know how to solve. Exactly. I have no allegiance to any idea. Yes. Holy crap. Can you imagine? That is so much freedom. What would you say your allegiance is to? Well, I mean, in terms of talking to customers. 
helping them solve a problem, connecting with them, giving them hope that actually there's a solution out there. And maybe it's not delivered by me, but you know what? There's actually a solution out there that'll solve that problem right now. And you don't even need me for it. Just go here. It doesn't always need to end with a business idea for me to consume and ponder and take six months to chew on and then not do anything. Maybe it's just a referral to help that person and give them some relief in whatever they're going through. The only thing I would add to that, if I may, is just the, the concreteness of the allegiance is really committed to delivering them a result that they're happy with. That's the only thing I'd add to that. Yeah. Because you've got to solve a problem and you've got that. And the reason I say that is because I often forget about it's really about delivering a result. Because to me, it's often it's like, just get connected with me. Just spend time with me. Just learn these things. You'll go along on your way. You'll do really great things. But if I'm like, no, this is about a result, then I kind of show up with a different level of accountability for the person. It really shifts how I show up and how I teach. Right. So what would you say? So like having that, like the allegiance being, if it fits for you, and I recommend it, but it's up to you, the result. I think you'll be even more in the trusted advisor category because it's so easy for people to get lost in detail and lost. They're like, wait a second, what result do we want here? And it's just lost on folks. I think I have it as one of the, I've got like seven different skills that I've identified as like super critical. If you have these sort of seven skills, you can get away with a lot less. One of those skills is developing outcome thinking, how to develop outcome thinking. Because if you have outcome thinking, then you can juxtapose every decision that you have against it. So I'm going to do this. Does this help me do my outcome? Well, if you don't know what your outcome is, because you haven't developed outcome thinking, then it's really hard. But like, once you have the outcome in mind, like if you have a PowerPoint presentation and you're like, what's the outcome of the PowerPoint presentation? The outcome is that people will give me money at the end of it. Okay, great. Does this slide aid that outcome? Right. Because solve a problem is good. It's kind of process-ish. And if you can shift over to the land of transformed by results and bring that in, and like you're like you're sitting there and you're talking to people like I'm gonna blow this person away. We're gonna deliver an amazing result to this person. How does all that sound? It's cool. Love it. Well, good job. Um, what do you think your next steps are? You talk to twelve people, thirty minutes. Yeah, coming out of here, it's gonna be a pretty simple scheduling exercise. Just connect with a few accounts, twelve of them, and have a conversation. Happy New Year. What's going on? What are some of your problems? Very good. Great work. So listen, if you'd like to offer feedback on this episode, we would treasure that. Let us know what you want more of and what you want less of for the show. And we'll make sure we try to incorporate that. You can email the feedback to hello at startfromzero.com. Just put feedback in the subject line. Now, if you'd like to build a $20,000 per month business minimum, I've got a friend who actually does this every single month. Some months he makes as much as $87,000 in a month I asked him about it and he told me, man, if I can do this, anybody can do it. So we've turned this into a fully comprehensive course that you can take to learn how to quickly build a $20,000 per month business. If you'd like information on that, you can go to startfromzero.com and on the homepage, you'll find a link to it. Now, if you've been struggling to take action, if you really feel there's more for your life, but you know you're going to need to take action to do it, but taking action is so difficult, you just can't seem to get yourself to do it. We have a wonderful free tool. You can find it at startfromzero.com forward slash DJP. And if you go there within 20 minutes of applying the process, 
you'll find yourself wanting to play the game, wanting to step in the game, and wanting to take action. I use DJP for myself all the time with things like figuring out revenue models, figuring out lead capture systems, figuring out how to hire someone. If I'm ever stuck with a difficult action, I'll actually apply DJP because what it does is it wakes up a deeper intuition, a deeper wisdom, so we can actually do something really cool instead of stay stuck. So that's it. Please rate the show, please subscribe, and go on and listen to the next episode. Let's do this.